Well, it's time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 235, Best EVs Not Coming to Australia. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me today to look at the grey electric vehicles we're currently missing out on are Senior Editor Tim Nicholson. Hello. And the zero emissions guru in charge of our EV guide, Tom White. Hello. We'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and unearth the comment of the week, not to mention being on standby to respond to feedback coming in via YouTube, because once again, we're live streaming. Uh, so YouTubers jump into the comments and get involved as we go. So let's get into this week's show. Um, look, Tom, the best EV is not coming to Australia. For a long time, the much anticipated electric vehicle wave was just a swell uh, building up out the back. But now it's starting to push up a little more steeply and make its presence felt in the Aussie new car market. A few people are paddling in. And just as a bit of background, only around 2% of new vehicle sales so far this year are full electric, but more than 8,500 registrations year to date for 2022 is up 400% on 2021. We've got everything from the MG ZS through the Tesla Model 3 to the Porsche Taycan. There are also offerings from Audi, BMW, Hyundai, Jaguar, Kia, Lexus, Mazda, Merck, Mini, Nissan, Volvo, soon to be joined by Subaru, Toyota and Volkswagen, and I've probably missed some. So, Tom, this is clearly getting serious, but there are still some compelling EV options that we're missing out on. The aim is to work around the group and list some of those. Can I start with you for your first cab off the rank on, on one that we're not getting in Australia? Uh, one that we're not getting in Australia, so uh, I think uh, I'd like to start with the Peugeot uh, 208 or 2008, uh, same car underneath, but I, I, I really like the look of this car. Uh, I'm sure people have already seen the 2008, the combustion version of that rolling around. I think the design of it is kind of a bit out there and it's it's what French cars kind of need to be. You know, They need to be exciting to look at. I think they've done a great job of that and this car... It's a little different from some of the other EVs out there because it doesn't share a platform. It's not a completely elite EV platform. It does share its platform with other combustion vehicles, uh, namely the combustion versions of each car. Uh, but there are a few subtle differences. Uh, this one's cool. It's got about a Nissan Leaf E Plus kind of range uh, for the 208 hatch. So it's about 340, 360 Ks of range. 100 kilowatts, 300 newton meters. So it's the most powerful car in the 208 range as well. Uh, and uh, Peugeot, when they when they put this car out there, they were expecting the sales globally to be about 10% um, fully electric out of you know the combustion, uh, whatever it is. Uh, it ended up being 25% of the demand. So they had to ramp it up massively wow. to try and uh, sell Interesting. them. Interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah, so pretty exciting. Same same story with the 2008, essentially. Same running gear uh, and uh, similar kind of range, a little bit less, 340 yeah, Ks there. Just one extra zero. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a slightly bigger, all the rest of it, SUV, a bit more popular, that kind of thing. Um, both are available as right-hand drive. So there's no reason why we can't have them here. They just uh, haven't been sort of uh, locked in by the local Peugeot division. So it'd be nice to see them. Please bring them here. Very good. I okay. Totally agree. That 208 in particular is such a sexy little thing. Like adorable, adorable. Okay. It gets the official <laughs> adorable stamp uh, from Tim. So, Tim, that's great. Thank you, Tom. Let's stick with you. Your first uh, nominee here is? Well, uh, a fairly huge American thing, and that is, of course, the GMC Hummer. The reborn Hummer. Of course. Um, yeah, look, this is an interesting one. It's uh, obviously there was a brand under GM for a long time. They killed it off. They brought it back under GMC. 
Uh, we saw this thing a couple of years ago. Uh, it's, so it's based on GMs doing um, uh, an architecture called, I think it's Altium, uh, the whole the battery packs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this thing is a bit of a beast. I'm sure we've all seen it by now. It's such a fascinating vehicle. It's got up to about 530 kilometres of range, depending on which variant you get. Um, it's also, if you don't want the pickup version, you can get an SUV version, which to me, I think looks better. I don't know what you guys think, but I think the pickup looks a bit weird, but the SUV looks quite cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it's... it's it, it's, you know, when we're talking weird and pickups, mm. you know, the Cybertruck is probably the one end of the spectrum. Um, it's not up there. It's distinctive, I suppose, is a, is a way of putting it. I think it I brings think the, way, yeah. the excess of Hummer to, you know, the yeah. electric world. That's yeah. really what it is. And the battery is like enormous. It's like it's more than 100 kilowatt hours or something. It's like one of the biggest batteries in the world for right. like an automotive yeah. purpose. I, I th it's what it's worth. I think, I think it, it makes Hummer more relevant. I think it's taking all of that macho posturing and putting it into a yeah. package that is altogether more modern. I think I think it's genius. And it's funny that they've yeah. put it under the GMC umbrella because it was, of course, before a standalone company and then a standalone brand. Yeah. Um, so to make it a GMC brings it in the tent a bit, makes it a little more um, approachable. I think it's a really smart move. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were reluctant to kind of, you know, relaunch uh, a standalone brand again. So it does kind of make sense that they've done this. And obviously it will go head to head with, you know, the Silverado in its own stable as well as yep. the upcoming Ram EV and Tesla yep. Cybertruck, as you say. It's got a cool feature, this crab walk feature. So it's the four-wheel steering where it kind of can go that way, which is wacky and incredible. But um, look, yep. it, it's not coming to Australia uh, at any point soon. Obviously, we've got GMSV here who are doing right-hand drive versions of, you know, the, the um, regular Silverado and a couple of other things. But, I mean, it would be a stretch. I, I, I think it's a never-say-never thing, but it's yep. unlikely for now. Okay, cool. That's good. Now, let me thank you Tim let me pick up things and I'm going to twin two cars that in the marketplace are actually head-to-head uh, -head rivals but they're so similar it just doesn't bear thinking about the Ford F-150 Lightning and the Chevy Silverado EV that you were just referring to Tim um, the F-150 Lightning twin motors driving all four wheels uh, 420 kilowatts 1050 newton meters that's more than any F-150 ever um, It'll go naught to 60 mid four seconds. So, you know, you're talking high fours, naught to 100 kmh. It'll tow four and a half tons. It's got that nifty onboard scale feature, which I think is driven through the, the taillights. So as you load the car up, it shows you it progressively loads up, which is just so cool. Why wasn't that thought of, you know, a century ago? Um, and it's got the, the front trunk, so a, a, a frunk, but it's 400 litres and it kind of fixes that pickup ute conundrum where... You've got all that space, but it's so impractical to use. So where the engine wants, you just open up a 400-litre boot at the front where you can put your groceries and you can put all your stuff and it doesn't roll around like, you know, um, pinballs in a pinball machine, um, which is such a win. And the Silverado, 1,058 newton metres, 0 to 60, mid-fours, so similar kind of ridiculous acceleration uh, for something that that's big, uh, that big. You're talking 640-kilometre range, um, and you can charge it, it will take a 350 kilowatt fast charge. You can get 160 Ks of range in 10 minutes. It'll tow the same amount. And in fact, after launch, they're going to have a fleet focused model that will tow up to nine tons. So that electric motor pulling power and torque is starting to really find its feet with these more conventional kind of pickup offerings. So 
You mentioned GMSV uh, at the moment, it's not on the agenda, Forge bringing in the F-150 and combustion version. So I reckon those two might be a never say never as well, but at the moment, they're just uh, not on the uh, on the menu. I think the story with F-150 is they literally cannot build enough of the electric version to even right. meet demand. Like they're amazing. Yeah. They've sold so many more than they can even build that it's like, wow, you know. Uh, but I think all the, like all these trucks are so exciting because they bring that like fresh electric totally. ideas to the space, you know. Totally, totally. All right, well, Tom, we're back to you, my friend, for your, your second. All right, well, let's keep it going with the trucks then. And uh, <laughs> the big one that everyone loves uh, and I get asked about constantly is the Rivian R1T. Yep. Um, it's out there. You can actually buy it. It's a physical product. It's not something that's still coming uh, or it's not something from one of those electric automakers that's like, yeah, yeah no, no, we'll have a production version soon. Yeah, uh, Tesla. But we've only- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's out there. People can drive it uh, only in uh, left-hand drive form for now, which is uh, part of the reason why we can't uh, see it. There's so much hype around this thing. I, I think people can't wait to get their hands on it, even in Australia. The base model uh, does cost the equivalent of 95000 Australian dollars. Um, and that's that'll only take you about 370 kilometers on a single charge so i mean that kind of limits its appeal uh, like that entry level model anyway uh, for australia i think um but it brings so many of these cool ideas like i was talking about before so there's like the top spec one will go 550 k's on a full charge and it has a motor on each of the wheels so it kind of gets this control over stuff you can do off-road uh that you wouldn't have even on any combustion uh car at all um and stuff like so it's got a pass through behind the rear seats, like between the tray and behind the rear seats. So it's like this big cutout uh, under the car. And yep. there's an option to have an entire rollout kitchen in there that has like an induction cooktop and like all of this awesome stuff. That's just such a no brainer for the electric gear. So I think really exciting um, in terms of like we can do the camping potential for it. Uh, they've teamed up with people to have like a official OEM uh, rooftop tent, stuff like that. So really exciting. I constantly get asked about it. The problem is Rivian can't seem to meet demand uh, in again, America. Again, same deal. Too many people want one and there's not enough production. Slots. So I presume that's the same as the F-150 Lightning and the EV Silverado is that if you're a tradie, all of a sudden you don't have to have your generator. If you're working on a remote site, your vehicle is that you can plug in your tools, you can plug in the microwave for lunch or you know whatever it is. And camping is exactly the same. It becomes a much more straightforward proposition, actually. Yeah, exactly. And like hundreds of kilowatt hours of batteries is like, you're not going to use that, you know, even if you're cooking, like you'll kill a couple of Ks maybe, but you'll still be able to make a home. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Very good. Okay. Thank you for that. Tim, we're back to you next. Well, we're sticking with the Americans. There's a bit of a theme, I think, running here. There's a lot of American product we're talking about. Um, And another one that's had a lot of hype is the Ford Mustang Mark E. Um, now, this was also revealed a couple of years ago, a bit controversial using the Mustang name for an EV that's also an SUV as opposed to just being a pure coupe. Um, you know, they seem to have gotten past that because like all of these cars we're talking about, Ford cannot build enough of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a really interesting car. I'm not sure what you guys think about the design. I'm not particularly sold on it, particularly when you think about uh, it would compete against things like the Ionic 5, the Kia EV6, and even that Nissan Aria looks quite handsome. So uh, I think it's a bold design choice by Ford. But um, I, re- I reckon <laughs> for what it's worth, purely subjective, of course, mm. I reckon they've nailed it. And I think yeah, okay. they've got just enough Mustang in there for it to look 
right? And you think about Ford over the decades experimenting with four-door Mustangs and trying to extend the Mustang brand, but never finding a way to do it. You know, the same way Porsche was doing four-door 911s and they ended up with Panamera. Um, Ford has now found a way to make the Mustang manifest itself in a more practical package. I think they've done a really good job on it. And it's not a surprise, really, that a lot of people are kind of falling over themselves to to get one. That's interesting. I find it a little funny because I don't like I look at that thing and I I don't see Mustang at all. Yeah, it's got the Mustang badge on the nose and everything. But I think I think the brilliance of it is it's created such talk about whether it's a mustang or not that it just markets itself it's like everyone either hates it or loves it and there's there it is the mustang name take it or leave it and people just want to talk about it it's a kardashian it's an automatic (laughs) kardashian it's it's famous for being famous okay that's it is a little bit that's uh that's good sorry tim go ahead oh no i was gonna say with this one is an interesting one so while we're talking about vehicles that aren't coming here yeah. This one probably will now. Now Ford have been saying okay. for a long time that um, you know, oh, we can't get it. Da da da. The Ford Australia, I should say. Yeah. Um, we are under the understanding that it actually will be coming here. Ford haven't confirmed that yet, okay. but we've heard oh, whispers, right. and it's yeah. looking like it will. But that's only quite recent. So okay. watch this space for an official announcement. You heard the whisper here first. Okay, that's good. Fantastic. Now um, I'll continue us on. This one, we get a lot of correspondence about this car. Why isn't it here? You should be talking about this car. Well, today we are, which is the Honda E. And I remember seeing it as a prototype at the Geneva show in 2019. And for me, amongst all a lot of other big launches, I remember Merck had its hypercar or AMG had its hypercar and all that. It was the star of it for mine because it's just so cute. It echoes the original Civic, you know, the first generation Civic. It's less than four meters long. Um, it's, it's rear wheel drive. It's got the motor in the back. It's still got a 171 liter boot. Um, now it is on sale in various markets in two grades. Um, the E, it has 16 inch rims, but it's hundred kilowatts, 315 Newton meters. It's not as snappy as some of these big trucks. You know, it's about a nine second naught to hundred, but then there's an E advance, which has a fraction more power, a little bit quicker, bigger rims but it's got a 35.5 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery, which is actually water cooled, which is interesting just to to keep it under control and 222 kilometers range, Richie Benno's favorite number. Um, But for a city car, that's, that's plenty. You know, I don't think it has any designs on big interstate trips. It's very much your urban means of transport. And the thing that gets me is that full width digital dash is so cool because you've got two, I think they're 12 and a half inch screens next to one another. And then you've got the uh, screens for the mirrors. So instead of physical mm-hmm. rear view mirrors, you've got a camera either side for the mirror. So it's just wall to wall digital screen, which looks amazing. I don't know what it's like to use, but for me, it would, it, I thought this is a super cool car and would get a lot of people interested in electronic vehicles. It's yeah. such a shame that it's not coming. I mean, look at look behind me, people. Look at this. Precisely. It is an absolute stunner. It's such a shame. I, I couldn't agree more. I just It's a shame that Honda Australia aren't really considering it. Anyway, yeah, the- I love it too. Right-hand drive version exists in the UK. I think it's fun. I think it's yep. exciting. I think it's a perfect kind of city car. It's a shame. It is a shame. All right, we're all agreed. That means we're wrong. <laughs> okay, so um, Tom, we're back to you again. Take it away. All right, I got a silly one, but you have to hear me out. So this is the Wuling Hongguang Mini EV, right? Wow. And it's cool well for a couple done on of the reasons. Pronunciation, by the way, that's awesome. <laughs> I try. Oh, I'm trying really hard. I probably got it wrong. I don't know. Someone okay. will probably add it in the comments. But um, so okay. if you want, 
everyone talks about the cost of EV, EVs, right? They're so expensive. Uh, you know, the, the cheapest EV in Australia is something like $47,000, right? So this thing, the base model costs just $7,000. So we're talking yes. a mass production car that costs the same as an e-bike, right? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. We're talking fully affordable here. It's about the size of a K car. So if, you know, those of you who are watching don't know what that is, it's like the like subcompact class in Japan, like a little city car. And it's shaped very much the same as well. It's just like a little yeah. box. K, uh, K, K Jidosha, K-E-I Jidosha. And they're all 660 cc's, yeah. For tax that's, reasons, that's right, in Japan. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're actually having trouble uh, converting them to electric, but that's a whole other story, though. I'm sure it's oh, okay. a whole other story okay. for another podcast. But this thing. So um, the other cool thing about it is it's the second best-selling electric vehicle in the world. It was only overtaken by the Tesla Model Y last year, which, and we're talking serious units, so like 600,000 Model Ys were sold. They sold just over 500,000 of these. So uh, serious, serious units. There's a lot of interest overseas. Um, obviously, they don't make it in right-hand drive, and I don't think it'll pass ADRs. But no, that's, a, think, that's a hurdle. That for uh, sure is a hurdle, yeah. I think it's fun. Uh, it it has a twenty kilowatt, eighty five newton meter electric motor on the front. Its top speed is a hundred kilometers, and it travels a hundred kilometers on a single charge. Its yes. battery is only nine point six kilowatt hours. Nice. So it's tiny, tiny, tiny. But there's a top spec car. Costs about twice as much, fourteen grand thereabouts. It can travel three hundred k's on a single charge, and it has thirty kilowatts and one hundred and ten newton meters. So I mean, we're getting pretty quick there. Well, the little battery means that if you get one of those economy packs from Woolies, you can probably tie all those batteries together and just plug it straight in that's awesome boost your range that's what we're talking about <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah I, I just think it's fun uh, I and i think i think it'd be sensible for those kind of people who just want an ev and just uh, they want to run down to the shops and stuff like yep. those cars don't exist in australia it's true it's true but the adrs may be a, a bridge too far i would guess yeah it's interesting um th thanks to wax triple three who's uh commented whilst we've been going about the honda e just circling back to that for a second he says it's available as an import and he's exactly right on, on various uh, social media car spotting sites. I've seen it spotted on a regular basis, but then AGS or AGS to his or her friend says, it's not a good idea. You know, is Honda Australia even able to service it? So I suppose that goes for some other, um, you know, unofficial imports as well or grey imports, but uh, okay. Thank you for that, Tom. Uh, we are back to you, Tim, take us away. Well, we are staying in China with um, <clears throat> a brand that is starting to become familiar here, and that is BYD. Yeah. Um, now, BYD is about to kind of launch their first mainstream model in the Atto 3, which is the little SUV that uh, is one of the most, if not the most affordable EV in Australia. Tom, you can tell me if that's correct. Yes. I think it depends on what state you buy it in. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it aims yes. to be. Is yeah, that the right. state you find yourself in or the state <laughs> that you're actually physically in? Yeah, a little column, mate. Okay, column, very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, Tim. Um, they, they're expanding their lineup here. There's going to be the Dolphin, which is going to be called something else, Tiny Car, um, something called the Seal, but will be called the Atto 4 here, which is a sedan. But they've got another sedan called the Han or Han. Okay, because I was sensing a an aquatic theme there, but the Han There's seems to break that. Han's kind of ruined that little theme, unfortunately. Maybe that um, means something. Someone will tell us. They're, 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 they're split. So I can actually tell you the the range, BID's range is split in two. They have one range that is aquatic themed uh, yep. of oh. their vehicles, and they have another range that is themed after Chinese dynasties. Dynasties. Yeah. Gotcha. Ah, Great. Thank you. That Thank makes you. sense. That makes sense. So there, we'll um, have the Ming, we'll have the Han, we'll have the... Yeah. Have, yep. Very the good. whole kit and caboodle. Well, we probably won't have the Han. 
is, is right. my guess. Because we're getting um, the Apo4, okay, the Seal, um, why would they bring in two kind of mid-sized sedans, electric sedans? It doesn't make sense. The Han uh, overseas, it's actually available as a plug-in hybrid and an EV, but the, I think um, BYD have said they're ditching all of their, any combustion engine stuff and going purely EV um, pretty soon. Um, it's actually got a 605-kilometre range. That's on the NEVC cycle, though. Yep. But three-series size, quite handsome, lovely, Forget about it. We're not getting it. Okay. Okay, fine. Well, let's, yeah, exactly. Let's forget about that and move on to the next one. Um, I've got one. It's the Neo ET5. Now, this is NIO, not Neo from the Matrix. This is NIO. The company, I just did a little bit of backgrounding. I've heard of it. I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners have as well. It was founded in 2014. It's got offices all around the place, um, mainly in China, of course, but um, it's got an R&D center in Oxford for engineering in England. It's got a design studio in Munich. It's got an autonomous uh, driving facility in San Jose in California. Um, it's also a bit of a Tesla in that it does power units um, for domestic use, has nine different car models. And the ET5, uh, Tom, this is one that you called out as being particularly noteworthy. Uh, that's a five-seat mid-size hatch. It's super sleek. Um, frameless windows. People on YouTube will be able to see uh, hopefully what we're talking about. Uh, soft closed doors, flush door handles. It has what they call a pano cinema cockpit. So again, it's got the screen rich kind of environment inside the car. It's a dual motor, all wheel drive, 150 kilowatt induction motor in the front and a 210 kilowatt permanent magnet motor on the rear. Not uh, to 104.3 seconds. It's got 700 newton meters. So it's a it's this amazingly sleek five-door machine that can go uh, like a cut cat, uh, but I don't think we're in line to see it uh, for the time being. So it's it's another one that's kind of hidden from us. Yeah, they've got their eyes firmly set on Europe for the time being and uh, left-hand drive. But uh, yeah, the brand's exciting. They're, they're kind of, unlike a lot of other like rival Chinese brands, these guys are really focused on performance. And this is a clear swipe at Model 3, I think. It's it's just right. very similar spec specification, uh, very similar layout. And I think it, it looks really cool. Oh, and I think amazing. there's a lot of promise behind Neo. So, um, and they have global aspirations. It's just a matter of time until they can do right-hand drive, I think. Great. Okay, so... Tom, I think we're back to you for your final uh, inclusion. Yeah, well, these cars actually are coming here, just okay. not yet. So this is the Volkswagen ID3 and ID4. And globally, these cars are really important because they're fully mainstream offerings and they've got the, the backing of Volkswagen Group. And we're talking full backing global production. So not the kind of limited production we've seen from some startup uh, EV automakers or some that are just doing, you know, EVs as part of their lineup, like Peugeot, for example. So we're seeing this is like a full service thing. Yeah. Um, they're actually set to outsell Tesla in some markets in Europe. So this is the real kind of existential crisis for Tesla coming for it now from uh, Volkswagen. Uh, we're not getting them here yeah. yet because the brand has said, look, you know, you guys don't have any uh, emissions incentives to meet. You have sort of pretty uh, mild offerings when it comes to kickbacks for the consumer for actually buying an EV. So we've yeah. been sort of put right at the back of the queue uh, to get these cars, but they are out there in Europe uh, and they're doing very well as well. Uh, base models get 110 kilowatts, 310 uh, newton meters, kind of like an emulation of the, the current uh, entry-level engines in Volkswagen's range anyway. Base cars go about 330 Ks, top specs go about 550. Um, that's and nice. Yeah, that's we'll, plenty. 
we'll be getting ID3, which is golf sized, uh, ID4, which sits between T Rock and um, Tiguan. It's not quite as big as the yep. Tiguan, but it sort of falls in between. Um, and we will be getting the ID5 as well, which is a coupe version of the ID4. So, kind of that trendy look and design, which is uh, kind of exciting. Prices, they're really aggressive on them. They reckon by the time they arrive here in Australia, they're looking at a sort of 40K for the ID3, which would be, would make that it right would, now the yeah, cheapest yeah. EV in Australia and around the mid 50K region for the ID4. So, about the same price as the Tiguan R line, they reckon. So, uh, I reckon they're really exciting, um, but it's probably going to be at least another year before. Before we see them here which is a bit of a shame it's true isn't it because you know so many people as i rattle off at the top of the show so many brands are into the electric stuff and volkswagen is kind of notable by its absence and um, mm. it's interesting that you gave us that context as to why um so yeah interesting good on you thank and you so Tom. many people so many you guys would have it too. ask about like yep. when is the volkswagen eb coming like yeah, it's yeah. a brand that the people who buy a volkswagen are like the perfect candidates to go and buy an EV. So it's, totally. yeah, totally. it's a shame it's not here already. All right. Now, uh, I think we're finishing up on your last one now, Tim. And it's another one that's been around for a little while. Uh, let us in on yeah, it. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So it's another American. This is All of these have been like Chinese or American, except for a couple, which is very interesting. Um, this is a Lucid, uh, yep. the Lucid Air. What I love about Lucid is this company was started by um, the guy who used to be the uh, VP of engineering at Tesla, and now he's started his own venture. Good on him. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yes. why not? Yeah. Uh, look, this thing is incredible. Lucid Air, it's a stunning car. It was also revealed a couple of years ago. It is being sold... I think only just gone on sale in America. Um, Tesla Model S, uh, Mercedes-Benz EQS, I guess you could say Porsche, Taycan kind of rival as well, like a very large sedan, absolutely stunning, very, very sleek, also got incredible range. The single motor one has 653 kilometres of range. Wow. And the, I think it's the Grand Touring, which is the, the top spec one with dual motors, is 832 kilometres. Well, that's plenty. Um, that's almost, that's overkill, yeah. really. That's, that's amazing. You kind of just don't need it. And you can apparently charge it 500 kilometers in about 20 minutes or something like that. It's like it's yeah. bananas. Yeah. Um, but it, it is going to be built in right hand drive. I actually contacted them a little while ago um, and it will be built in right hand drive, but it's just going to take a long time. So it's another one kind of wait and see for Australia. I, I suppose it would be worth saying that to get that kind of fast charging, you'd need Thor to slam his hammer into the kind of side of the car and get that kind of voltage into it, wouldn't you, really? Pretty much. But, like, but I suppose no it's saying way. the car's capable of doing that. Yeah. 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 Look, awesome. I mean, you know, you better drive to what was that, Melbourne to Sydney? Yeah. Technically, yeah, which which is the big acid test, isn't it, for this yeah, market? You know, a, a yeah, long absolutely. intercity uh, run like that—that's yeah. uh, that's quite a, a threshold to cross. It's always yeah. a question I get as well. People go, "Oh, but can it go to uh, from Sydney to Melbourne on a single charge?" It's, that seems to be what yeah. some people think they do every week. You know, maybe yeah, maybe yeah. some people do that every week. I don't know, but it, it seems <laughs> like that's that's a very high bar to beat, and that's the problem with uh, electric cars in Australia is like yeah. that's yeah. the average distance between cities here. It's well, like eight hundred k's thereabouts. You know, I think. So. Some people do it every couple of days, but they're in Kenworths and Max. And that's a whole yeah. other question about, mm. you know, hydrogen and EVs and all of that. We'll leave that for another day. But yeah, that's uh, a hydrogen okay. episode. Keep it an eye out for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that, Tim. I will now finish us off. Uh, you talk about quirky, Tom. Um, Cherry. Now, Cherry, C-H-E-R-Y, no double R. So uh, I don't know what that's about, but... Uh, they were in the Australian market. Uh, there's chat about uh, like there's a mooted return to Australia. Uh, but this one 
It's called the Cherry QQ, or it might be double Q, I'm not sure, QQ ice cream. And it's a three door, four seat micro hatch. It's only three meters long, one and a half meters wide. Now get this for price. In China, it costs 29,901. That's 6,590 Australian dollars. So that's, that's a straight kind of conversion without any uh, taking any import costs and distribution costs. But still, that's not much money. Comes in three flavors, pudding, cone, and sundae. Mm. has U-shaped um, <laughs> LED daytime running lights, but halogen headlights. Again, it maybe it's the same motor, Tom. It has a 20 kilowatt motor, mm. a lithium iron phosphate battery, which is older technology. Let's put it that way. Um, and it has two driving range options. Standard is 120, long range is 170. Um, I think the cherries that we're more likely to see is the Tigo. There are six SUVs and then there's a, uh, a Rizzo sedan. Uh, this one, again, the ADRs would be looming large for a car this small um, and built on a, a tiny little uh, platform like that. But it's a heap of fun. And if you could make it work, it would go through the roof. You know, there'd be people ready to buy that as a little inner city runabout uh, at the drop of a hat. And, and it's huge fun different colours, different flavours, the whole bit. Uh, it's as quirky as they come. It's the prime competitor, actually, for the Wuling Hongguang, which we uh, mentioned That's, at the, at the end of the Wouldn't that be a great comparison? I'd, I'd love <laughs> yeah, to do that as a back-to-back -back comparison. Now, while <laughs> we've been going, AGS says, I just hope that our current government will do something to support the EV availability, uh, affordability and infrastructure support as petrol prices are ridiculously high at the moment, and they are. Um I know a lot of people say that, and I'm not saying I subscribe to it, but the counter argument is, why should my taxes subs, you know, subsidise your new car? Mm. Um, so people get very shirty about, I, I don't want taxpayer money to be subsidising cars, but it's an environmental issue. It's a bigger picture thing. Um, and many countries, uh, some more notably than others, have gone down that road um wholeheartedly so yeah i think anyway with a change of federal government you never know what's around the well i've got to say as well it's not uh, it's not just a subsidy like a lot of people talk about a subsidy and um when i've been going out there talking about our ev guide report uh that we've done i don't know maybe we can put the link in the description or something but um there's yep. there's a bit more around like what what governments can do for supporting and, and a lot of that is actually building infrastructure like i think that the comment actually mentioned infrastructure and that is actually being done so there is a federal fund set up uh okay. it's called uh, arena and and that helps fund charging. It's focused a lot around the Eastern Seaboard at the moment, but I've seen the effects firsthand. There's many, many, many super fast DC charges going in, which have drawn from that funding pool. So, cool. And the current government uh, plans to double that fund. So we should see double the amount of charges going in. Exciting well, maybe times. Maybe the, um, the celebrity spokesperson could be Tina, you know, Tina Arena. Anyway, um, oh. okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just a thought. I mean, it, it, it writes itself. Amazing. Really. It writes itself. Okay, so that's our wrap of, what do I want to say, 12. Um, 12 in total uh, EVs that we're not seeing. Some we are, but not just yet. Um, it just shows how diverse that, in, that whole market is globally. We're, we're getting more diverse by the minute, but uh, there are still some where access is denied. So uh, interesting to go through them. Thank you, guys. Um, now we'll move into cars that we have been driving that are in Australia. In fact, they're in our garage. Um, Tim, can I start with you, please? Uh, what have sure. you been driving of late? 
Um, well, apart from I was on leave recently and the main thing I drove was a previous generation Mitsubishi Outlander base model, but we won't go into that because that was a rental car. Yeah, let's not. Um, yeah, at best, it's best for everyone we don't. Let's um, keep the vibe up, B. Anyway. I think so. I think so. Um, just before that, I had a bit of time with the new Lexus LX, which, of course, is Lexus's version of the uh, Land Cruiser 300 series. Huge beast of a thing. Um, I, I drove the Alex uh, 600 Sports Luxury, which yes. uh, I, I might add for the people yeah. watching on YouTube, the pics that we're showing yeah. are of the ultra luxury, but you, you get the idea. Exactly right. And yep. it, it, it looks much the same. Um, the the one that I drove was about $170,000. Now, the whole range tops out at 100 and, uh, what was it? So 210, sorry for, the, for that ultra luxury. It's a four-seater. Now, that's quite a big difference from the Land Cruiser, which is 90 to 130K. So yeah. it is quite the jump if you want that Lexus badge. But but uh, look, I've, I'm, uh, to be honest, I've not actually driven the Land Cruiser yet. Okay, uh, I've fine. seen the interior yep. and can compare them and stuff. And Lexus is obviously Lexified the whole thing. Yep. So it looks pretty baller, like it's very bold in, in, in the metal. And then you get inside and they've added a lot of luxury touch, touches, particularly yep. sports luxury and ultra luxury. Um, it, it's very plush. It's so quiet. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed driving it. This, so the one I drove, the 600, that's that's the petrol engine. Yes. So um, it's the, the V6 twin turbo. The V6 turbo. twin turbo, yeah. yeah. And 305 kilowatts, the whole kit and caboodle. Now, what was interesting, the ride wasn't great. It was, it was a little bit jiggly and a little bit firm, which I was really mm. surprised. Um, but it does have 22-inch wheels, so that might not help things yes. necessarily yes. they would they um, would be a contributor to that behavior. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I, just you expect something like that you're just going to glide over you know speed bumps and stuff like that and and you just really didn't um i found it hard to fault but then very briefly i drove um the diesel version uh, uh just at the end of the time i had it and honestly that's the pick it my brief time with that that engine is so responsive it just fits better with that chassis like it, it makes sense as a vehicle to have that as a diesel no shade if you want the petrol version the ride was better everything like it just made mm. more sense isn't that interesting more cohesive vehicle yeah because I, I also recently drove the new generation nx and it was the top spec plug-in hybrid one and it's like it's so plush on the inside you're expecting mm. the ride to be really good but it just fell short of what i expected uh, on the right yeah. front and again like huge wheels so maybe we've sort of seen the end of like the super plush lexus ride era and we're going into something a bit different now wow. i think we might be they need to ride on 14s with 75 profile rubber. <laughs> so ste like steelies. With yeah, 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 exactly. But people just love those massive wheels. I don't personally get it. I get mm. the aesthetic, but I'm, I would much rather be comfortable yep. in what I'm driving. But I think we could do a whole episode about wheel size. Like, it, you know, enormous wow. wheels ruins the ride quality. Wow. Yeah. That, then the podcast well, will be done. There it is. That is okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Um, <laughs> thank you, Tim. That's good. Um, Tom, you're on. You're on brand here. You're on on the brief. The car that you've been driving, and it's only very recently. Fill us in on that. All right. So this one's the uh, latest version of the Tesla Model Three. 
Um, and it is the by far the best selling uh, electric car in Australia. Uh, and the one I drove is the best selling version of the best selling electric car in Australia. It was the base model rear wheel drive version. They yeah. call it rear wheel drive now. Uh, it used to be called the standard range because the range is now anything but standard. It, it travels like 491 kilometers on a single charge. And that's on the WLTP cycle. So that's not even trying to fudge it with any DC, you know, like that's serious range. Yeah. yeah. Um, to the point where like, like I get a lot of people like asking me, oh, you know, could, couldn't you, isn't it a pain in the ass to like sit around for an hour while you wait for it to charge? But I, I think, you know, that's a bit of a misconception about EVs. You don't really charge them like that. You just pick up charge here and there and yeah. maybe you do a fast charge once a week sort of thing. And, right. and that's what this was like. There's no concept of range anxiety in it. You just drive it around. And I was even surprised. Like I'd been driving it for three or four days and I looked at the thing and I still had 40% battery left. And so- well, I think it's really valuable that, that, you're doing what you do because you're kind of at the leading edge of all that driving so many different EVs, you're getting a very good feel for how to live with the different vehicles, uh, you know, not just assess them on a technical sense, but a living with them kind of thing is so valuable. Yeah, I, I do. I, and I end up with these sort of terrifying moments, like uh, throwing the power out in an Airbnb because I plugged my Nissan Leaf in and it, <laughs> it threw the fuse box. All the and... lights dimmed and then they went out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, literally. It was That's literally <laughs> what happened. And um, almost running out of range when I took uh, a MX-30 uh, just to the closest DC charger outside of oh. Sydney. So anyway, yeah. uh, you get the idea. Yeah. But I, yeah, I really yeah. do see the appeal of the Model 3, like huge range and the features. There's it's just like the connectivity of it. It's once you've experienced it, it's really hard to go back from. Like you go back to like a normal car and and you have to put up with all the normal car things. Like, okay, you got keyless entry and whatever. In the Tesla, you don't even worry about that. Like it, it's all, you preset your air conditioning, you preset your nav, and then you just meander on down to the car. It's already open by the time you get to it. You put it in drive and off you go. That's it. There's no push start ignition. There's no screwing around with keys. It's just like this kind of next generation of what cars should feel like and they've nailed it to be honest and and they're like there's some silly stuff like there's some you know silicon valley overthought and you know undercooked like moving yeah. everything to that center display is a yeah. bit of a pain in the ass and a lot of the touch elements they look great when they're sitting you know on the shelf in the apple store but trying to use them while you're concentrating on the road like some of them are just too small Yes. Like it, it's not really a usability, uh, you know, good point. But anyway, the, um, the issue is also your big sausagey fingers as well, Tom. I mean, there's that. Yeah, that's true. I end up pressing three or four buttons at <laughs> once right. before I know it. You know, I'm doing yeah. karaoke. You basically, and all the put it, turning on. And... You wreck it, Ralph. Okay. I mean, oh, okay, let's put it that way. Okay. Well, we better move on, but people will be able to see that review um very shortly and a video as well if i'm not uh, mistaken yeah keep an eye out yeah. on youtube there will be a video component to that review uh, yeah. i assume it'll go live sort of mid, mid next week so keep Good. an eye for that fantastic all right thank you for that i'll round it out subaru outback now this is the entry uh point to the outback lineup they call it the all-wheel drive all of them are all-wheel drive but anyway called the subaru outback all-wheel drive um, it's 41 and a half grand two and a half liter atmo petrol the flat four that we're all familiar with 138 kilowatts, 245 newton meters with a CBT. Now the pluses for this car, it's roomy for its size. It's 4.9 meters long, so it's not a small car, but it is roomy within that footprint. There's just hectares of space. It's yeah. comfortable, plenty of pulling power. Um, it's it it weighs 2200 kegs, so it's it's not a lightweight, but there's still plenty of performance there. It steers nicely, and I found that it has a good turning circle, surprisingly good. Uh, turning circle it's quiet practical plenty of equipment they've gone to town on the safety 
Um, so it's a super easy car to live with. The negative for me was that it tends to scold you all the time. It's like your, your nasty aunt that's always sort of wrapping you on the knuckles. Um, you know, facial recognition, it, it's telling you constantly, keep your eyes on the road. All I was doing yeah. was just looking to change a, a radio station. It beeps at you. Um, the car ahead's moved off. Yeah, I know. I'm just giving it half a beat because I don't want to run into it. Um, you're going to the edge of the lane. Beep, beep, beep. Stay in the lane. I'm in the lane. You know, I haven't, I haven't even looked close to going out of the lane. Um, it defaults to stop start when you restart the car. There's a little shortcut in the menu to turn it off, but you can't turn it off permanently. Um, the CVT in this car, it's okay. I don't love it, but, but it's okay. Um, I thought it was a really good car. And for that money, as the entry level into Outback, I think it's pretty well specified and it would be a fairly easy car to live with. The, yeah, the Subarus are totally all real value offerings at the moment, aren't they? Like, you, totally you know, right. you don't, and you don't have to get the top spec. Uh, for some reason, everyone does. Like I was talking to Subaru about this uh, and I said, oh, you know, where's the demand? They go, oh, it's all at the top of the range. Why? Why? Just, you know, <laughs> why, why at entry level one? It has all the stuff. It's the law <laughs> of diminishing returns, isn't it? I suppose it's the gap you make between that and the top one. If you can make it appealing mm. enough, the walk-up is, uh, is doable. But they right. used to be, remember when Subaru was like a slightly premium Japanese brand and it was like always priced above here. And yeah, it's so interesting that everyone else has come up yeah. and Subaru now is like, oh, you're good value now. Well, also, I mean, you talk about screens in the Tesla, Tom. I think it's uh, nice that Subaru's got themselves under control in terms of the multiple screen thing. They used uh, to have yeah. uh, two, if not three screens. It's all in one now. And there's a pretty sensible mix between sliders and things on the screen and actual dials. I think they've got that right. So there's a, a lot they're getting right. It's a it's a really nice car to drive. No no qualms with it, except the the kind of net nanny uh, personality mm -hmm. that it exudes every now yep. and then. Um, all right, that's our garage. Thank you for that. We're quickly going to go to feedback. We've had feedback uh, on YouTube as we've been going, which has been fantastic. Thank you. But last week we were talking about the best cars we've ever driven, uh, which was quite an episode. And uh, the evocatively named Godzi wears cons. Uh, said, look, yes, the NSX, it was in Honda's golden era. We, we touched on the NSX uh, with the CRX, the Civic Integra, Prelude, S2000, VTEC, wanted them all, had a Prelude, loved it, and says, congrats on the first live podcast. So thank you very much, Godsey. But Hammer, Hammer Rocks, our old mate, noted that the NSX and MX-5 were game changers. And Fat Man Overlanding, another regular commenter, suggested that would be a good podcast topic, you know, game-changing cars. And all I can say to that is thank you. And that is on the list. And I think we will do that as a future podcast. That's awesome. So uh, thank you very much for that. Um, and with that, we've reached the finish line. So it's time to say thank you, Tom. Thank you. And thank you, Tim. Thank you, JC. And thanks to our listeners and viewers and to our production multitasker, Mr. Brett Sullivan. Thank you, Brett. And again, as a, a tip of the hat to Mr. Pritchard, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, after Monday and Tuesday, even though calendar says WTF, um, jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. Thank you. And viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, I was picking up my car from service last Friday afternoon. I said to the boss, you know, nearly knockoff time, eh? You don't live far away from the pub, do you? And he said, look, it's a five-minute walk from my house to the pub. It's a 25-minute walk from the pub to my house. 
The difference is staggering. I think I've, I think I've heard that one before. <laughs> you may well have, Tom. You may well have. <laughs> uh.